4: And it's apparently there's some sort of a Boston College reunion going on (laughs) because Nancy Frades is joining us this morning.
2: Good morning. And
4: good morning. How are you?
2: I'm good. Uh, We're in Florida.
4: Yeah. (laughs) So we had a great event last night at Ore and Iron. I heard. And your husband, John, came down and we were reminiscing about this entire region uh, sharing your family story and um, all that was accomplished when it came to... Um, the Ice Bucket Challenge and all of those things. And so I'm so glad you guys came by this morning. Well, to, thank you for having hello. us. And you go way back with Courtney and way, way back with Curtis, right? Of course. Yeah. Boston. Fellow Eagles. The, yep. the Eagles. Double Eagles. <laughs> Come on. E, go all, Eagles. They, they, but what were you telling me? How do you know when somebody went to Boston College? Oh, because they'll tell you. Yes. Okay.
5: <laughs> uh, same can be said about a Rolex. <laughs>
2: A Rolodex, oh, as yeah. I heard
5: yeah. you yeah, yeah. That, That's a
2: certain age that's point. The, yeah, that's Ask a
4: Boomer. A Rolodex <laughs> is Ask a Boomer. Um, you guys continue um, with Pete's mission and your mission. Um, and your, I went to the captain's ball uh, this past fall. Yeah. It was extraordinary. And tell us a l- little bit about kind of what you guys are doing when it comes to continuing to support those are fighting ALS.
2: Sure. I think when ALS affects you, um, it, it just grabs you. You you can't leave it. And of course it was our child. So, um, you know, Pete told us, you know, it's 12 years ago now, it was March 13th, 2012, when he got diagnosed and told us that we were going to change the trajectory of the disease. He said that six hours after diagnosis. So um, when your kid looks at you and says, uh, "Ma, we're going to get to work, dad, we're going to get to work. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. And with with his passing back in December of 2019, um, we had a, a broader scope of what it meant to get the diagnosis of ALS because we lived with it for eight years. And we understand the journey so intimately that um, we knew we had to make a difference. So. We created the Peter Frady's Family Foundation um, during Pete's last year of life because of the enormous out-of-pocket costs um, for home health care that you need as the patient progresses on the journey. So that is our simple mission of this foundation. Um, it is to help Pay for out-of-pocket home health care costs, which when you're diagnosed, not only are you told that you only have three to five years to live and it's 100% fatal, but that when you're in the throes of this disease, it's probably going to cost your family a quarter of a million dollars a year to take care of them. Not covered by insurance. Not covered by insurance. Which no. is, a, a, it's, it's, it's a crime in It's this a country. crime it's absurd. So, um, we're very, we very simply through our journey, we have great connections in the ALS, um, organizations. And so we work with them and they refer patients to us that are, you know, to a level where they are at a financial, which really honestly it's within months of getting the diagnosis. But, um, and we, we turn it around pretty, it's a pretty simply run foundation in that we know that when you receive a, a you know a sizable amount of money we can get it to them quickly so that they can keep their patient in the home where they're loved.
4: Yeah, and oftentimes stay in their home. That's what and and take know. care of you know there are as you guys experience there are other siblings and there are you you somehow have to live life while you're fighting this with your in your case with Pete.
2: Exactly, and you you know unfortunately we all know what the end game is right now with ALS, so every minute. It with that person is is so precious that you want them to be in the home. You know, the government will pay for you to put them in a nursing home. Hmm. I mean, th- it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it, they, just, should,
4: they should pay to help keep them at home. Right. Yeah.
5: And it's just amazing, like, where you get the worst news you could possibly get that your kid's dying and there's no cure. And then you get told, if you want to have them at home and, you know, keep some semblance of normalcy in the limited time they have Definitely. left... Here's $250,000 bill at your doorstep as well. But I just think what you and Pete and John and Andrew and the whole family, you guys created a roadmap of how to deal with the worst possible thing with grace and to enable the people that get that news after you guys have to have a more optimistic future. It's just every time I think about what that moment must have been like and then to see today... Ten years later, this little ice bucket and, you know, a challenge that started, as I was saying to John last night, is like this thing in the B.C. community. And then it went a little bit to the Boston sports media community. And then it sort of – then the governor did it. And then it was like, okay, now it's, you know, Justin Timberlake somehow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just so amazing. And the vulnerability you showed – With at the end, uh, when you guys were talking about how you needed help because of the insane end of life costs that you were facing, is just something that I don't think it'll ever leave our world. The ice bucket challenge, like I hope ALS is cured and we can you know move on to something else. But what that did in the how social media sucks ninety percent of the time, but (laughs) it was one of the few times where social media provided you guys. The, you know, the bullhorn to get the world to hear about Pete Frates, and it's just every time I think about it I get goosebumps
2: and it's the living legacy of Pete right Right. it's Pete who showed that grace and gave us the road map and had the took the adversity and turned it into triumph he was the one that got the diagnosis the family got the diagnosis but Pete is the mm-hmm. one that was the leader and that's and so I always kind of encapsulate and title the ice bucket challenge it's a tribute to a life well lived Pete was like that his whole life he was a leader he was captain at st john's prep of you know his teams then he goes to bc and he's a you know he was a recruited walk on a lot of people don't know that but he literally went from that to captain of the team and um it's just that he understood that he had to be the best he could be so that he could rise others around him to be the best they could be and that's how he attacked this and he called it his new team that night he goes oh so this is my new team so we are the living legacy of him and and we keep it we're still very involved in ALS matter of fact we're flying back to Boston next week Amalex which is in Cambridge the drug company that came out with Relivio um, a year ago which is showing great promise in slowing the disease progression down not a cure but that seed money um, it's a beautiful story Amalex was two um, college students that came up with this Formula were out on the streets in 2014 2015 trying to get seed money and VC money and. The ALS Association gave them Ice Bucket Challenge money yeah. to start, which allowed others to give. Yeah. And then we came to market um, two years ago with this drug.
4: That is a, a really successful new approach. I talk a lot about my friend Bob Coughlin, right. and he and Joe O'Donnell did that with cystic fibrosis. And he was able to extend, and you know, theoretically, based on how successful it goes, um with that particular drug his his son's life it's really um it's an extraordinary way to look at it you know the doctors and the researchers and the scientists do incredible stuff but um as an alternative to invest in these companies that may end up someday finding a cure is a, a really inventful approach to doing it and so cuz it is um,
2: about money in pharma yeah. and and that's kind of the bottom line you're coming from the passion and the heartbreak to try to get this going but you know, then you look at it and it's a business. So that's exactly it. But we're... Who,
4: Whose idea was the very first Ice Bucket Challenge? Sure.
2: Well, the, the quick story, Steve Buckley, our friend Steve Buckley, wrote a great, um, in The Athletic, about exactly, he he went like crazy and and drove it down. It started in Arizona um, for a coach who actually um, was suffering from breast cancer. Now, if you think about the, a lot of people don't understand this, why the sports world gets it is because what does a winning coach get? They yeah. get a, a Gatorade right, right. right right. right. so this is how this happened um she got it then you know kind of hit the internet in um it was college basketball i believe and uh hit the internet blah 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 makes it way to the pga pga in florida um a kid in florida whose cousin in new york had um als he decided he was going to do it and he just you know, sent it to his cousin. Well, she's the one, Jeanette Sinertia, up in Yonkers, New York, um, who actually went on her porch, poured it over her head, and said this is for ALS, and she tagged three people. Well, the three people that she tagged, one of them was... On Facebook. Now, again, we're talking Facebook yeah. in 2014, <laughs> yeah. okay? Um, so it was a little bit more simplified. Curtis's um, still
4: big on Facebook. I am too. <laughs> All right. That's you funny.
2: know what? Oh, gee, we love it. Okay.
4: Don't listen to a word he said. He's on there with the rest of the moms and the grandmothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nancy, no, I, I, I don't want to freak you out. Go ahead.
2: Um, and and <laughs> actually, um, Pete had been um, become very good friends with a young man named Pat Quinn who had been diagnosed a year after him who happened to live in the same town, and one of the girls who uh, posted it to Facebook was a mutual friend of his. He saw it. He knew that Pete, we had pretty much a good engine, as Courtney and Chris know, within the BC community, the Boston community. He said, i got to get this to Pete. And Pete took it and looked at it like a business and said, this is what we're going to do. And honestly, Greg, it was within 48 hours that it just I mean if you could have been in our house now you got to remember the greatest part of the story is that Julie Pete's wife at the time on August 1st was due with their baby <laughs> So when the media started calling and I think Chris will probably remember but and they wanted to do interviews, we were like, Well, Julie can't go anywhere because so you gotta come to the house. So we lived on a cul-de-sac and our neighbors, God love them, would just watch the media trucks coming in and out. They'd bring us pizzas. But we knew it was very simple. It was business, right? So we knew we wanted to catch a you know, we wanted to light a fire, but we wanted to expand it. So we just we just really worked worked it, and um, it, and a quarter of a million dollars, a quarter of a billion dollars. Sorry, quarter That's of a billion dollars. A quarter so, of a
4: billion dollars. Yep,
2: seventeen million ice bucket challenge videos posted to Facebook, viewed by four hundred and forty. Million unique viewers over ten billion times. That's wow. unbelievable. That
4: is amazing. It's amazing. So, real quick, um, tell us about the captain's ball. When is that? Sure.
2: The captain's ball is September eighteenth, the Thursday night, eighteenth of the nineteenth this year. Um, we've moved our location this oh. year. We're going to Soa, the power power station. Down. We love, love it. it. We
4: were there for New Year's Eve. We had a Greg Hill uh, Foundation. I heard yeah, or, yes. yeah. I think that might have been
2: part of the, impetus, part of the for impetus, impetus for for us to, to look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ray Bork. Um, you know, such a great friend to our family. Um, It's, he has, he called us four weeks after Pete passed away and said, you know, we're going to we're gonna change our gala and have it be for ALS. So wow. the money, um, we get some of the money, our foundation does, but the majority of the money goes to MGH, the Healy Center for ALS, for the yeah. research and the drug, um, you know, the trials to get it out to patients. Awesome. And uh, we're expecting, you know, g- big things this year. So it's growing every year. It's going to be our third year. So um, we're really looking forward to it. Well,
4: I admire so much the way you guys have dealt with what you've dealt with and it's um it's awesome to have you here Awesome to hang out with John last night. Mm,
2: thank you. Uh, did he get home
4: late? Did he have a curfew?
2: <laughs> he didn't, but he didn't come home soaking wet. <laughs> oh, so I assume yeah. that something didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I well, I think it it's going to happen.
4: We're going to go down, down to the field during the break. The field, yes. Yeah, during the break and do it down on the field yep. during the break. Yeah. Great. So, all right, guys. We appreciate it. We're well, so grateful for your support. Whatever we can do to help, keep us. Yeah, great to see you.
5: Thank
2: you. It's so great to see all of you.
4: All right. We are at JetBlue Park, our final day here for spring training, and here is Courtney, with what is trending this hour. Gresh and Fourier. Weekdays, 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
6: Trending now brought to you by Subaru of New England. The Bruins looked like they were going to give this one away, but they didn't. After jumping out to a 3-0 start, the Golden Knights came back to make it a game. Mason Lowry was the star of this one. He had the game winner with five minutes to go, while Morgan Geeky had his first career hat trick. The Sox beat the Tigers yesterday 5-2. to Garrett Whitlock got the start. He went three innings. He gave up a run on three hits while striking out six. They've got another one with the Twins uh, today. First pitch is at 105. Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming will be on the call on the Shaw's and Star Market WEEI Red Sox Radio Network. You can listen on EEI 850, or as always on the Odyssey app. And the Celtics are welcoming the Mavericks to town. Tip is at 7:30. The Seas injury report looks clean. And that was brought to you by Subaru of New England. Don't miss the Subaru of New England A Lot to Love event. For complete details, visit Subaru of New England.com. That's what's trending. Here's Curtis with your weather.
5: Sorry, I'm trying to book a flight on Delta because we're not. Now flying out at 230. Oh, absolute oh. dumpster fire. Oh. And it <laughs> is. It is a. And
6: this uh, is brought to you by JetBlue. <laughs> it is.
5: Courtney, it began at 127, which Courtney said is a good thing if it's not a new yes. number. Now it's 230. Yeah, oh. you
6: are. So,
5: oh boy. <laughs> John Curtis, if you're listening, let's go. 29 degrees outside, sunny do, sky. Do
4: you know, like, the, like does he keep in a. Uh, adding new passwords to his credit card? Yeah, I just couldn't get in. Okay. (laughs) By the way, you know what I just figured out? Um, Batting practice is going on out uh here, but it's not your Boston Red Sox. This is Partners Weekend for the Red Sox Partners and Wiggy should you want to you could run right down there. I would love to do that. And BP. take BP if you want.
7: Yeah, I mean, there's all these people. I don't want to cut the line or We'll anything. cut the line. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll step right up in front.
4: Yeah, this is... I you want to it do it during the show? I, I want to do it. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll take
6: the, the camera it. down. I'll yeah.
4: Okay, do that. when you guys go do the ice bucket yep. challenge. Yeah. yeah. All right. We are in Fort Myers. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call
0: silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
4: favorite only one thing Before we get out of here for the weekend, we'll be joined by the new chief baseball officer of the Boston Red Sox, Craig Breslow here. At JetBlue Park, a little batting practice going on with some of the Red Sox sponsors and their families, Wiggy. And, yep. Um, I know you're uh, looking longingly out there. How, I mean, do you think you could put one out? Uh, I mean, I'd like to see. I think I Do you I think could. you could? I, I mean, think I could. I mean. You're off the juice.
7: Yeah. I, I mean, but I, I, I was, remember I was an all-city catcher back in the day, so I either, <laughs> I either hit home runs or struck out. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to think I could. Yeah.
4: Uh yeah, I mean I I don't I I don't know if he could get one out of here or not. What's I, the shortest I, way? Is it the pesky pole? I, I think um yeah, I don't think you want to go monster. I think you wanna try to uh, to go But my power's on the that's right side It's gonna be opposite field for you. Right, though. but
7: my power's on the right side of the plate. I can't switch hit a little bit but You can but not to the left uh, side I don't have much power. It's more for um uh-huh. it's more more for putting balls into play. Right. So my power's
4: on the right side. Well we got a lot going on here. Courtney and Curtis yeah, and the uh, John and Nancy Fradies are going to do a an ice bucket challenge. Such nice people, uh, very the first nice. first time I've ever met her. She's super nice. She's they're unbelievable people, Boston, and, uh, and what they dealt with with right. their son Pete and how they it, Curtis said it best. He described it as grace and and courage and the way they. I mean, just. Uh, the worst possible thing happens, and you turn it into something right. that is helping others. So and as
7: a you know, as a former football player, like that's the number one thing that scares you more than anything, because you see so many football players that suffer from you know ALS, and you try to say is the correlation related to you know head trauma and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's great to see that with tragedy they were able to raise so much awareness, and hopefully that might help with money that comes to whether it's you know a cure or even just like early warning signs as things that can help out so yeah you know it's incredible it it is it's It's such an incredible story
4: all right um before we go we got to get to this getting you ready for the
1: 2024 red sox season it's socks appeal on the greg hill show Well, it's coming.
4: It may be 25 degrees or whatever it is (laughs) this morning, but I promise you spring is coming and baseball is coming back to Fenway. And Sox Appeal this week is brought to you by McFarlane Energy, the heating, cooling, and bioheat delivery pros that Eastern Massachusetts and all of Cape Cod depend on at McFarlaneEnergy.com by the EL Harvey companies, including Nosset Disposal and Miga Disposal your local trash collection and recycling providers, and by Aviva Trattoria, Italian-inspired, locally made from fresh, whole, locally sourced ingredients. And when it comes to Sox Appeal this week, Shime and I had a discussion uh, about what he felt was uh, perhaps the the best moment when it came to those that we had the opportunity to speak with this week, Shime, right? And uh You liked what Nick Pavetta had to say yesterday on the show, is that right? Yeah, we've
3: had a lot of great guests uh, the last few days, and I I think what Nick Pavetta said uh, really kind of put their perspective as a team uh, in focus for us as as the fans. All right, well, let's hear it.
4: From my perspective, I think we're very capable of putting
5: together
8: a winning baseball team. I think there's a lot of really great talent. I think we have a a really good set of of veteran leadership that guys have experience. You know, I think we're going to go out there and show what we have. And we're going to have to win baseball baseball games and and put together the season that we want to put together. And we need to prove it to them. But at the end of the year, when we're hopefully holding up a World Series trophy, we did this all by ourselves as a group with everybody saying that we can. And I think that's a cool moment as well.
4: All right. I mean, how can um, how can you not be somewhat excited by that? I, you, he totally sucked you in, Wiggy. <laughs> I mean, I, Wiggy's. Like, Shawn, you've been very negative about the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, You're but the more about... these
3: guys speak, like hearing Alex Cora, healing Nick, hearing Nick Pavetta, Liam Hendricks, like. I like this team a lot more than I did three days ago, and you I, do. I, I, not that, not that I think they're going to have a ton of success, but I like. I want to root for them now, as much as I am mad at ownership and uh, management for not signing more free agents and not bringing in more help. These guys, I'm starting to like a lot more.
7: The more you put them in front of microphones, the more
3: I'm starting to like them, and the more I want to root for them.
7: But even Chad though, you said that like a guy like Montgomery is not a real needle mover. And if you can't have a guy like Pavetta who can pitch the way he says he's going to pitch, and if you can have Brian Bale pitch the way that the expectations, like Alex Cora said, what the expectations are for him. So if you can have a couple of those guys be the, the aces of your rotation, you will, uh, Alex Cora sat here and said, the bullpen's really good. Yeah, we know he they said hit that. the ball good.
4: He said that. He said they got to work. They got to improve when it comes to to being, to, you know, to to, to to errors and and playing. But is not everybody but in they, their right positions? Yes, but the problem. The, the question becomes the injury thing, and they're not deep enough. But the, when it comes to the rotation and to guys, that that's the issue. Like he Alex Cora said it on this show. They ended up last season with three and a half guys, not five guys. Right. So but the injury if, thing is like you know you you you. you
7: You just go into the season, and it's like, well, you know, you're hoping, obviously, like every team is, that injuries is gonna affect every uh, team. But if it's more basically, if guys are pitching well, and there are some injuries can other guys now step up and maybe be able to kind of hold down the fort a little bit but we know they hit the ball well we know the bullpen's good and now it's really about who becomes leaders
4: um when it comes to that rotation who becomes your 1 2 and you know your 3 all right well we will have the opportunity to talk to all to talk about all of that with the guy who is in charge here next Craig Breslow, the Chief Baseball Officer of the Boston Red Sox, from JetBlue Park when we come back.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great
4: coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus
0: AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper the better and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
5: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy the tough labor you are a fighter and madela is your reward madela the mark of a fighter trick responsibly beer imported by Crown in Port Chicago Illinois
4: sunny afternoon and I can't sail my yacht he's taken everything I got all I've got this sunny afternoon. If you missed anything over the last three days, a reminder that you can go back and listen to it on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. So whether you missed Alex Cora on this show or Nick Pavetta on this show or Tristan Cassis on this show, you can go back and hear it. Courtney and Curtis are back from a quick uh, random ice bucket challenge. Yep. Um, you look um, chilly. Yeah. Are you okay? Uh.
6: Yep. Okay. I'm All right. Cold. Good.
4: Very nice that you Curtis, did that. Curtis,
6: I think just poured it all on me instead
5: of John, but it's okay. I, That's it it was
4: Tessie. I had nothing to right. do with it. Listen, uh, it is our pleasure to have the chief baseball officer of the Boston Red Sox with us for the first time. Craig Breslow, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. This will be a p- uh, pleasure for you throughout the season. You get to come on with us almost every week.
8: That is my understanding. Are you
4: looking forward, are you looking forward to that?
8: I am. I am yeah.
4: <laughs> well, listen, Hot balls. Well, listen, welcome and uh, glad to have you here. And how's uh you have been what do you how long have you been in this job a month and a half two months three uh, a little,
8: little bit a little bit longer how's how's, a it, lifetime? how's it going uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. th- things are good uh you know it's great to be here in Florida to have players and coaches and yeah. front office personnel all uh, un- under the same roof um it's a chance to get a lot done to build relationships and have those interactions that aren't forced over zoom or scheduled meetings so yeah. i'm enjoying it um and, and i think there's a, there's an exciting vibe around Around this group that the players have uh, really taken it upon themselves to challenge each other to hold each other accountable and uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch.
4: Um, I know you can't speak about specific players. Um, however, I will just ask you uh, in a way that you might be able to answer. Um, do you expect that you add to this ball club before opening day?
8: Yeah, it's a fair question. It's really difficult to answer because, in order for these things to line up, you need uh, you know multiple parties to come together. Um, you know, I've maintained throughout the off season that we will continue to pursue any opportunity to improve the club. Yeah. Um, but it's really it's really impossible to handicap how likely that is for, okay. for things to line up.
4: Maybe we could use like aliases or something <laughs> like uh, Gordon <laughs> John Gummery or something like that. Is that any... right? <laughs> um, do you feel like this this team has a deficiency in any area roster wise and if so what what that is
8: You know, I think there might be a bit of a disconnect between what you would take from looking at the roster on paper and what you see when these guys are out here competing. Um, You know, I've been outspoken about the need to improve the rotation, the need to balance out the lineup a little bit. And then you watch the guys, you know, kind of go one time through and obviously had a second start yesterday. And and you think there's major league talent on on this staff and guys like Andrew Bailey are devoted to getting the best out of them. Um, So I'm pretty excited about what I think they can accomplish.
6: When it comes to your pitching knowledge, Alex Cora really talked about how that is a big difference coming from Heim Bloom to you. Do you feel that when you're talking to everybody, and your expertise is a little bit different than what we've saw seen in seasons past when we were with Heim?
8: You know, I'm not I'm not sure how I would characterize it. I would say that given my playing experience, uh, I tend to focus on pitching mm-hmm. um, a, a little bit more than maybe some others in in this position do. But I also can appreciate and respect that this job has too many responsibilities for me to think that I can manage any individual department. So uh, I trust in Andrew and Justin Willard and the the rest of the pitching group, Um, but I've had a number of conversations about kind of what the vision is uh, and what my expectations are.
4: Uh, nice having Theo around. Did you know that going into this job that he might that might be a possibility?
8: Uh, so Theo has served as kind of a mentor for me for a really long time. First, uh, you know, as as the GM here when I was uh, a not even a prospect, um, more just a kind of organizational left-handed pitcher. Uh, and then he gave me my first opportunity in a front office once I was uh, finished playing in, in 2019 with the Cubs. And so whether it was formal or informal, he was always going to be someone from whom I would seek counsel, just yeah. given his experiences, the success that he's met, and the fact that he's sat in this chair before. Um, the fact that it is now formal and public just means that you know I don't have to find the corner to ask him questions. <laughs> I can do it. I can in do, the do open. it publicly
4: out in the open. Yeah.
8: And Craig, when
5: you we you know, when you got the job, the parameters that Sam discussed, were those in place? Did you know exactly what the sort of working revenue and uh payroll was going to be when you accepted the position? Or was this the parameters something you sort of learned on the job of what what the exact budget you were looking at in
8: terms of free agent spending this off season? Yeah, you know, I, I... Understand why a lot has been made of the parameters and the situation, but from my perspective, uh, you know, I think where this organization is, the excitement that we have around the young players, that's what's driving um, the strategy and, you know, ultimately the spend. So, you know, I think it's it's not super productive to to think in in those terms as much as it is to say, you know, what opportunities exist for us to improve the outlook in the short term and uh, balance that with our our long term outlook. And then when those opportunities are in front of us, I can go to ownership and, um, you know, kind of uh, lay out the the case. And then when it makes sense, uh, aggressively pursue. And when it doesn't look for alternatives.
7: What was the shift? I guess it looks like what it is because I think that's the – like some people, the criticism they have. But what's the shift in uh, philosophy when it comes to just lowering payroll in the sense of – is it because there's a lot of young talent that you're expecting to, to, to see perform well? And is that kind of the new shift of that's why we weren't top of the market of going after high price free agency? Is that kind of like
8: the new shift that the philosophy is for the Red Sox this season? Well, I think there's a combination of factors in, in reality. Some of those are pursuits that we didn't line up on. Uh, Some of them are driven by wanting to give every chance for these young guys to take a step forward. Uh, You know, I think the blueprint that has been successful here for this ownership group for two decades has been developing homegrown talent and supplementing that talent with not just free agents, but impact, star power free agents. And I think that's the model that we're going to attempt to replicate, given how well it's worked. But all of those things need to line up, both in terms of player interest uh, and also timelines.
4: But this particular season you're not supplementing with the star power.
8: Sure. Uh, you, you know, I mean I I don't think I'm um you know saying anything that, that fans and, and listeners wouldn't know, which is we have not, you know, had the splashy free. Yeah, agent no, signing. I do, I'm I'm trying, um,
4: I think I'm you know, just from a fan perspective, which is all I am, it's just a I understand what you're saying, which is we want to kind of continue that model that we've been very successful at for 20 years. I think just in this particular season, there's some reason why that, that, that addition of star power didn't line up.
8: Yeah, and I think, you know, on the offensive side when you kinda of go around the uh the, the positions and you look at Cassis and you look at the excitement we have around Grissom and you know, a full season out of story and, and Rafi at third and then these, you know, kind of young, dynamic outfielders and guys like Duran and Raphael and Abreu and uh, O'Neal and, and Yoshida and, and others, we say we feel pretty comfortable with that group, and then if we pivot to the pitching side, that's certainly where we've faced our share of criticism, yeah. um, but we're trying to build out an infrastructure, and we're trying to understand you know what we have with guys like Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock and Josh Winkowski and Cutter Crawford and some of these guys who have shown that they have the ability to get Major League hitters out consistently, and we have to understand you know, whether or not they can take the next step forward and uh, lock down rotation spots and be bona fide big league starters.
7: Well, one thing, Alex, Core talked about yesterday was your role when it comes to helping with the pitch, and I think he said that he's been able to learn a lot. You've kind of taken a different approach than uh, kind of what it was in the past with Bloom. What exactly... Is that in the sense of your role, especially when we're talking about helping the rotation, the pitching, what exactly does he mean by that that you can kind of bring it to kind of layman's terms for us, you know, just idiot baseball fans who don't really know what that means?
8: Uh so I would never call baseball fans idiots, but what I would say is... Wiggy's referring to himself. In in its simplest terms, (laughs) we we need to be able to get guys out in the strike zone. Um, And being able to generate swings and misses in the strike zone is kind of this time-tested, foolproof way of being able to prevent runs. And what that means is, you know, in the minor leagues, we need to build out stuff. We need guys who who improve their velocity, improve their pitch shape so that, uh, you know, the way that they prevent runs is not needing guys to hit the ball hard at other players, but the ability to generate swings and misses. And, uh, so we've, we've installed, uh, you know, an infrastructure that believes in that, that will focus on stuff building at the minor leagues, uh, that will lean on our pitcher strengths and move away from traditional baseball thought around needing, you know, strike one to be a fastball down and away. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, Probably it will become evident very very soon in our overall pitch usage that we're going to lean on uh, you know secondaries and the ability to throw secondaries in the zone and uh, you know ensure that every pitcher understands. The optimal plan of how to deploy his pitches, the intended locations, the way that they, uh, you know, the way that they match up versus righties and versus lefties, um, and then I think that in, another overarching theme is to really push development in the big leagues. Uh, you know, it's it's no longer the case that when guys set foot in a major league clubhouse, they're finished products. We need to continue to push development up there, and guys like Andrew and others are really embracing that.
4: As a, as a GM or a chief baseball officer, is it surprising to you that a guy like just a player like Blake Snell? doesn't have a deal yet
8: uh, you know without, kind of just
4: a comment on baseball yeah soccer.
8: without getting into specifics again yeah. there are a number of reasons that things these things do and, and don't line up um you know and, and and obviously there's uh there are still some really talented players available on the free agent market i have no doubt that they will find homes um but, you know, it's it's really difficult for me to speak into what goes into those individual decisions.
6: We've heard a lot about uh, not jeopardizing the future when it comes to the finances of this franchise. And I'm sure it's really difficult for you to find a balance between winning here and now, doing those flashes right now, and also thinking about the future. How do you balance that?
8: Yeah, I think this job is constantly trying to trying to strike. That balance. Um, You know, and there are times, uh, history tells us, when uh, you are willing to sacrifice future wins in favor of the current season. Uh, And there are times where it is probably a more productive approach to to take the the reverse strategy. And, you know, I think. Which one is it this year? Well, I think pretty clearly what we're doing here is, you know, trying to put together the most competitive team we can in 2024, but being unwilling to sacrifice future wins. Okay. Um, And, you know, I think the timeline you know how quickly that gets accelerated is largely going to be driven by the steps forward that our players take and uh you know that's not to pressurize the situation that's to speak to um i think the expectations that our players in the clubhouse have the level of the level of accountability that they hold each other to um and the support that we intend to offer around helping them to achieve their development goals
5: how would spending 20 million dollars for a starting pitcher this season jeopardize future wins
8: how would it jeopardize future wins? Well, uh, I mean, I would, I would in the theoretical situation, are saying this is a one-year contract in twenty or say it's dollars, four years, or, eighty million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think you know you would have to look at what is the productivity into the future, and you know, is whatever the price point um, that you would speak to uh, is that the best use of those dollars in the future, or do, or can they be repurposed for more wins at that time?
5: Well, because I look at you had John Lester back yesterday, love it. This has been a great week. You guys, the whole Red Sox PR staff has been phenomenal. We've had every player. It's been the most seamless. The players have been optimistic. Characters, great. You had John Lester yesterday, which was a brilliant move. All-time great Red Sox on and off the field. The Red Sox lost John Lester. The owner came out and said it was a mistake. They then spent and corrected the mistake in free agency, overpaid David Price, but they don't win a World Series without him in 2018. That's the Red Sox we're all used to. Now we're told that the things haven't shifted. It's just we need to be better. The messaging with the fans is not working because all we hear is frustration saying, why can't we improve this team? I understand if you have to trade Tristan Casas to get a new starting pitcher, that'd be silly. He's an up-and-coming guy. He's just got to the big leagues. He's got a really bright future. He should be a Red Sox for life. But if it's just money and you have the highest ticket prices in baseball, why wouldn't, why would a season ticket holder sit back and say, I'm fine with us not having a great team this year because of what it might mean three years from now?
8: Yeah, no, I, I can only speak to, um, you know, the, the empathy I, I feel for fans, the frustration. Um, you know, I played here, I've been a fan of this organization for a really long time, and I think ultimately, what will deliver fans is the product on the field, right? And, and uh, you know, winning games um, is, is what we need to do. It's what we set out to do. It's the expectation that we need to have. Uh, beyond that, we have to evaluate every decision relative to the opportunity cost relative to the alternatives. Um, but I think what is productive at this point is to focus on the group that we have here and ensure that we're doing everything we possibly can to optimize their performance.
4: I have, I think, probably the, the four words that you may have been waiting to hear that you didn't know you were waiting to hear. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is it. We we could go for a half an hour and get but we'll have plenty of time during the season to do that. So, I look um, forward to it. We look forward to it too. Yeah. Um Great. and uh thanks for taking the time, Craig Breslow. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Um we got to go. Oh. Yeah. It's over. I know. That's it. That's it. We're out of here. Curtis, good luck getting a flight home. Uh, So
5: thanks to the old man, I got a 6 o'clock Delta.
4: 6 o'clock Delta? Yep. 6 o'clock tonight?
5: Yep. Man, oh, but our
4: JetBlue is leaving a 2.15. Well,
5: right? the flight that we were on is diverted to JFK. Uh, I'm not uh, lying. So I have no idea what's going on. So I got, I'm, I'm sorry. Women and children first. I had to go. Save what, about, what about, like, Wiggy? What? I, I, Wiggy, I, I, who's ripped my driving the whole yeah, week. Wiggy I'm has a wife a, and child. Yeah, you know, and no, children.
7: I, I, I looked at the flight, so I'm, I mean, I'm. If it's I mean, going through Jay, I like nonstop, but if it's Curtis going through Jay, is like the, no, 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 the, no, no, Curtis no. is like the Billy Zane character <laughs> on Titanic.
4: <laughs> yes. He grabbed a baby and jumped to the front of the line with the light boats. Yeah. So so I, my
5: so So the, you're still scheduled out of two thirty? My, the issue is the flight that's on its way here uh-huh. was diverted from Logan. It landed emergency at JFK. Okay. So I have no idea when that puppy's going to get here. <laughs> oh,
7: okay. So going back home will be, be direct. It will be direct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as long as I why get don't you out take by the
4: Escalade and don't return it? Just I'll, take why don't you drive the Escalade home? You'll uh, be home by tomorrow. We, we can go, go together. That'd be a great road trip. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, okay. I don't that like would driving. Be as It's something it is. special.
6: Uh-huh. Um, the most inappropriate, unprofessional way to see Craig Breslow. I we. He should have thought he, of thought he walked
4: into a wet T-shirt. Contest. I saw him. I
6: said, "I'm so sorry." I, it, it, as soon as I saw his face, I said, "This is uh, this is inappropriate." Uh, and I'm sorry.
7: Was it your idea? Or it was. It was. It your was. Idea. Yeah. And
6: I don't regret it. It's on yeah. Twitch right now.
7: Yeah. So, yeah. I think he's
4: kind of like was, the lady who robbed the bank. You know, I think it was great. I next think time, great. reevaluate. Thank <laughs> you. <I think laughs> it was great. Yep. All right. Well, I want to thank our engineer down here, Doug. Good job, Doug. I, uh, Good job, I wanna Doug. Thank, I want to thank Ken Laird. Put this whole thing together. Thanks to everybody here at the Boston Red Sox for being incredibly gracious hosts and for uh, for putting up with us for three days. And we will be back on Monday morning at 6. Gresh and Foye yes. next. Have a great weekend. Thank you for watching this show on Twitch. Thank you for watching this show on YouTube. Thank you for streaming it. Thank you for listening on the radio. And thank you for listening on the Odyssey app. See ya.